Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. It's the post-Super Bowl edition of the Peter King Podcast. Very happy you could join me. Have a couple of interesting conversations uh, from Super Bowl week uh, on Radio Row. I had a really interesting talk with Sean Payton, uh, the New Orleans Saints coach. You'll enjoy that. A lot of stuff on both the future and kind of the future with the Saints and sort of on the science of play calling. If you're a football nerd, you might really like this one. And also, we'll catch up with Jay Glazer uh, about uh, new stuff during Super Bowl week and the stuff that'll dominate some of the headlines this coming off season. Also, some of the things that Jay does charitably, and he really extends himself in that direction. So, Sean Payton, Saints coach, Jay Glazer, Fox Sports uh, NFL analyst and insider coming right up. But first, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about post-Super Bowl. Um, in the locker rooms after the game, I'll just I'll explain the way it is during the Super Bowl. All right, especially in an older stadium. Now, it's been refurbished, and it's beautiful, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. But in these older stadiums, what usually happens is the areas in the bowels of the stadium where the locker rooms are and, and the, where you go from one area of the stadium to the other, I mean, they're so narrow now. And the locker rooms really are smaller locker rooms. And so what the NFL does after a game is they really encourage the press just go into these massive interview rooms where they will bring every player. You know, there's a bigger room for the MVP, Patrick Mahomes, this year. And and after that, then Andy Reid comes in. But And all over the place, they have little podiums for 20 players a team. You know, so you can stay in that room and go to listen to Tyreek Hill for a while and then go to listen to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for a while. And, and so that's kind of the way it is. And that's a great service by the NFL because if you want to get a question into Travis Kelsey, almost certainly you can if you're, uh, if you're sort of pushy. And, but I, I find that always the better stuff and always the most interesting stuff is found in the locker rooms post-game. And I just wanted to tell you two quick stories about this year post-game. And 
I think the first thing to tell you is I did not go to the 49ers locker room after the game. I decided right away that I wanted to write about uh, this play that uh, that I think uh, basically paved the way for the 49ers to win, or for the Chiefs to win the game, and that is the play I wrote about in my column on Monday: two-three jet chip wasp, and that was the 44-yard pass from Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill uh, when the Chiefs were behind by 10 with 7.13 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was a third and 15 play. And I decided, you know, up in the press box when the game was finishing up, that that was the key play, that 44-yard gain, uh, the long pass to Hill, because it signified so much. One, you're never out of the game when you got Mahomes. Two, uh, that's when the dam broke for the uh, San Francisco defense. You know, for 52 minutes of this game, they did a fantastic job holding the Kansas City Chiefs basically to 10 points and an awful lot of offensive frustration. So I went down there, uh, and I first ran into Mike Kafka, the quarterback coach and former uh, NFL quarterback who Andy Reid thinks has got a huge future in this game. And then I ran into Brett Veach, the general manager, talked to a couple of other players, uh, talked to Kelsey a bit. And then, you know, my two big white whales in the locker room post game, I wanted to get Patrick Mahomes alone and I wanted to get Andy Reid alone. Um, I had not made any uh, plans before this other than to tell the Kansas City uh, VP of Communications, Ted Cruz, who's the ultimate gatekeeper in this case, and his assistant, Brad G. Basically, uh, hey, look, um, you know, I'd really like to get a couple of minutes apiece with Mahomes and with Andy, uh, and but my priority really is Patrick. He's the MVP. I'd, I'd really like to try to get him. So I'm waiting around in the locker room, and they're on the verge about 45 minutes after they open the locker room. Most teams then close it, and they basically boot everybody out because, you know, People who don't have tight deadlines, we'd never leave. <laughs> you know, we just stay until the last guy was in there to just keep foraging for, for new stuff. So they're on the verge of closing this, and I've gotten neither one done. I was waiting outside Andy Reid's coach's office in the locker room, and, man, he was in there for a long time with the door closed. And, and I was just waiting, 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 and hoping that I'd be able just to go in his office for a couple of minutes. And then meanwhile... Mahomes was out of the shower. He's back at his locker. He's he's dressed, and he's getting ready to leave the stadium. So I say, I got to go and invest my time with Mahomes. And if I miss Andy Reid, I miss him. Uh, and so Brad G is sort of taking care of Mahomes, and he sees me, and there's a bunch of people around, but he sees me, and he motions me toward Mahomes. And so it's that it's at that point where I got, I don't know, five or six minutes with him, not a lot. Uh, because he had to get going. Um, I ran the little snippets of my interview on my Monday podcast and then wrote about it a little bit in my column. But So that, that was good, but Patrick is the kind of guy, he's very, very team-focused. And he's not going to say, hey, man, what a great job I did on this play. 
The one thing he did admit is that, yes, he's the one who, is, who insisted uh, running two-jet chip wasp uh, after, you know, the game. I finally got him. He's the one who really wanted to do that. That's one of the things when I talked to Mike Kafka, he's the, he's the one who tipped me off on that. So he admitted it, and he said why. We ran it in the first half, uh, Mahomes told me, and we thought we had some good intel after running that play. So, so many of these plays in the NFL are built on uh, something that the, uh, the play caller believes that the other team is going to react in a certain way. So they believed that the 49ers were going to react a certain way on this play call. In essence, what they were going to do is they believe when they ran at the 49ers in the first half, Jimmy Ward, uh, the safety, was going to just backpedal and run backwards. And if, because Tyreek Hill ran straight at him in the, when they ran it in the first half, and they thought, listen, we got him knowing that if this play comes again, and Tyreek Hill is streaking right at him, that he's going to turn around and prepare for a deep ball up the middle of the field. And then when Tyreek Hill basically cut um, to the corner at that, it's a classic post-corner route, uh, you run to the post, and then you just jet over to the corner from there. It was amazing how wide open it, it was. And if you can, if you have the ability, it's all over the Internet, you'll be able to see that play, and it's just amazing. Uh, and, and why I wrote in my column that Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator of the 49ers, is going to be sick for a long time because how in the world, standing wide open, alone, 40 yards down the field on third and 15, how is it possible that you have Tyreek Hill uncovered in the biggest play of the Super Bowl? Because right there, if it's fourth and 15, you know what happens? Maybe Andy Reid punts, and he hands it back to Jimmy Garoppolo with 7.30 to go in the game, and if they get a couple of first downs, all of a sudden now it's virtually impossible for Kansas City to come back. So, But, but anyway, so that was what I was in search, search of in the locker room. And so I finished with Mahomes. I galloped back over to the coach's office, and Ted Cruz said, come on, Peter. And I go into his office, and Andy Reid said, hey, I got a drink for you. Now, Andy doesn't drink, and I just feared for a moment that he was going <laughs> to go against his thing, and maybe he's gotten me a, you know, a Bud or a Coors Light or whatever it is, but no, he had me, a, he, he, he got a Coke Zero for me, and he had a Coke Zero, so we sat there and we kind of dissected the game, but the most interesting thing is that Andy Reid was sitting there uh, with the same shirt on that he coached, you know, that big kind of looks like a sweatshirt, the Chiefs uh, shirt, the bright red Chief shirt with the Kansas City logo on the breast. And he's just sitting there, and he's still got this on. And you can tell this is what they just, an hour and 20 minutes earlier, drenched him with Gatorade. And he's wearing the exact same thing. I don't know, I'm guessing it's probably midnight at that point, maybe 10 after midnight. Uh, but he's still wearing that, and he's sitting in his chair, and we're talking about what happened, and he recorded a couple of things for me that I could use on that Monday podcast. So 
Then I just sit down and we're talking. And you could tell Ted Cruz, <laughs> you know, the, the very efficient and this, this thing is going to run on time here. He says, Coach, come on, we, we, we got to go. You know, and so I had had my few minutes. And believe me, if Andy Reid had stood up at that moment, at that time, uh, and, and that was it, it would be absolutely fine with me because, really, you know, this is a moment he's waited for, honestly, his entire coaching life. And now he's won the Super Bowl. And I soon came to realize that, you know, when Ted Cruz said to him, come on, coach, we got to go. Uh, the buses are waiting. And I soon realized that Andy Reid did not want to leave that chair. Andy Reid did not want to go out into the night where everybody he met from that moment on is going to ask him for a picture, is going to ask him, you know, uh, is going to be at the, the team party and it's going to be a very, hey, how are you, and celebrate with everybody, which, believe me, he, he wanted to do. He really did. But he did not want to be rushed away from this moment. And I'm dead serious. I'm basically the one that had to say, hey, uh, I'll let you go. And it was because I think Andy Reid would have wanted to relive some of the moments from the game from this greatest game of his life. Uh, and I just think that says so much about who Andy Reid is. Andy Reid's a football coach, and he's a football guy. And if you see him out in public and or, or you ever had a, a quick little conversation with him or run in with him, he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Um, but I do think at this moment in time in his life, that he was just reveling in this game. And he would have loved it if instead of going to a party, he had 20 people in the room who he's known over the years who he could have just talked about the game with. If he had, you know, Mike Holmgren from his Green Bay staff, uh, you know, a long time ago from basically from 25 years ago. I first met Andy Reid in 1995 when I was doing a big Packers story, and he at the time was the Packers' tight ends coach. But... I just was struck by a man who did not want to rush this moment. He wanted this moment to last forever. And when you ask me what my everlasting memory of this Super Bowl would be, it would be sitting there with Andy Reid in a cinder block coach's office in the bowels of Hard Rock Stadium. And it will be just thinking that I think that if I wanted to, I could sit here for another half hour with Andy Reid just going over every play of this game that mattered because he just he was just still reveling in the greatest moment in the greatest game of his life. Anyway, that's uh, I just wanted to sort of run over that with you. I, I don't often get to uh, right away after a game just think, boy, what really impressed me or what will be my memory of this game? And, and quite honestly, the, those few moments in, in a little coaching office in a football stadium in Miami, Florida, three time zones away from where Andy Reid grew up in Los Angeles in the shadow of Hollywood. His dad was an artist and set designer in Hollywood. 
His first job was as a, an assistant to a caterer at age 11 or 12, bringing food into the green rooms and meeting Wilt Chamberlain and John Wayne. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and it's just, it's far away from where he learned his craft, but it just so happened that that's where the greatest night of his life was spent. So let's get into our conversation with Sean Payton. It was really kind of a cool thing. We did it on Radio Row at the Super Bowl uh, last week. I think you'll enjoy it. So Sean is going to start the podcast by telling a story about a podcast. The floor is yours. Yeah, I, really quickly, the one thing that's challenging about a podcast is like there's no, all right, let's begin the podcast. <laughs> yeah. In other words, and so the first time I ever – did one of these podcasts was with Michael Rappaport, the comedian, sports yeah. guy, and and we're on the phone, we're talking, and I know he's called me to do this podcast, and we're we're 15 minutes in, he says, "All right, coach, we're winding down now," and I said, "Wait a minute, did we just do the podcast?" <laughs> you were just talking. Yeah, that's it. And it was it. So, yeah. but I do feel like there needs to be a green light that comes on <laughs> or a red light that's on that says, "Hey, we're podcasting." All right, so. I, the thing I really want to talk to you about is creativity, okay? Because I think that one of the things, and we're recording this, this is going to air after the Super Bowl, but we're recording this in Miami at the Super Bowl, and there's two guys who are going to coach in this game who I consider to be really, really creative people. Uh, and in some ways, that could be the hallmark of this game, and, and I just want to talk to you about something that you allowed me to do in the 2018 season. I sat in your meetings on a Saturday night before the game, and I want to describe one thing that I saw during the course of this night that I thought was amazing. You had a play, and you called it Q-Stop, G-Snug, Right Empty, Q-38-Z-Crush Alley. Okay, so in all those hieroglyphics, what it actually means is there's five offensive linemen on the, on, the, on the line. There's three receivers to the left. There's three receivers to the right. There's no quarterback. There's no running back. And it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen this. And so all you line up to do it. And I said, well, what is going to happen? What is going to happen? And all of a sudden, at the last second, Taysom Hill comes from the right. There's like seven seconds left on the play clock. And there's seven se and and then he comes behind and he takes the snap and you do the walkthrough. And what was so amazing about it is that nobody on your team thought that this would e was even the littlest bit weird. Nobody. And I just thought to myself, that's what playing for the Saints must be like. You invent stuff. And I asked you and you said, I thought of it. I was just doodling Thursday night and yeah. I thought of this play. And Troy Aikman said during the Fox meeting, then you had the Fox yeah. meeting. Who's who, who? Who's the quarterback? Wh where's the quarterback? And he goes, well, you, you said we don't have one. He said, well, somebody's got to be the quarterback. And he said, we'll get to that, you know? Yeah. And I just thought, how much fun must it be? And I think it's got to be fun if you're Jimmy Garoppolo to play for Shanahan because he's inventing stuff on the fly. Andy Reid, Biennemi, Kafka, they're inventing stuff. Yeah. And so – I just wanted to ask you in general, is that really kind of what floats your boat? Well, it's, 
with all that being said, when you talk about it and you explain it in your install and then in the game it happens and you have success with it, that it's empowering. And, and no different than Bill Belichick talking to his players before the giant or the before the Buffalo Build game on how they were going to sit and be patient with this cover two and yeah. this runner might have a hundred and then when that actually happens and it's, and it's you know a two score game you know a, a relatively low scoring game so it's it's a belief in in searching for leverage it's a belief in searching for some confusion to slow the defense down. In other words, defense, they have checks to no back with one quarterback. They have checks to one back, to two back. But have they ever had a check to there's no one back there? Yeah. Well, no. And yeah. so what happens in those situations, generally speaking, is you'll when something like that happens, the, the, there'll be one smartest defender and they'll all look to him. Like yeah, you said Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm will be who'll be the, the yeah. one they'll look to. Yeah, what do we do? And yeah, what do we do quickly, Malcolm? Come on, we've not we've not covered. No one's back there, and um, and I think it brings. Look, it every play doesn't have to be that way, but it, it brings a little juice to the install because there are some plays we're going to install that we ran last week out of the same formation, and if I'm just bringing those plays over and over again to the installation and pretty soon why do I you know and so it it's important that there's a player's I think jersey number and name like this play is kind of your play and I don't know what's going to go but it's and and there's some ownership to it and uh it creates the excitement about it and the confidence when it when it when it works and I, I think you're absolutely right in this game with these two teams you know uh we're we're doing this little tour here with with zebra and they do all the player tracking but on the way over here they said you know the tight ends the running backs and the receivers for both these two teams are the fastest in the nfl teams one and two we're seeing in this game wow. in other words so you mean the combined speed of these the combined teams, speed yeah. of the skill players for both these two teams these wow. are the two fastest teams and you know you see it like now, no one's ever thought to say, well, where do they stack? But, you know, we played San Francisco this year. And so you feel that speed on the sideline. And particularly this young receiver, this Debo Samuel, who every yeah, week. He's a it, game changer. When I tell you what, he's like, he's, he reminds me of Percy Harvin. Yeah. And when, when we were on the field watching the Vikings back in 09 and watching Percy Harvin, my immediate thought was, man, we didn't do a good enough job. This is in warm-ups. We didn't do a good enough job simulating this guy, and and I feel that same way about Debo. Watching I got him. I have to ask you a play in the in your game when you played the 49ers that I thought was one of the most fascinating plays of the year was uh, was the you know the Kittle catch late on fourth and two yeah. where he steamrolls half the team yeah. and all that stuff. But what really interested me is Kyle Shanahan called a timeout with like two seconds left, and. Garoppolo was going to get the playoff. He was he yeah, was going yeah. to get the playoff, but he called it because he, in that moment he had a two by two formation, and he just didn't like the look he saw, and he knew that he wanted to get the to get the ball to Kittle to make two yards, and he didn't like it, and he changed it at the absolute last second, and then he sends Kittle in motion and, and all this. But well, I've, what he and what he saw, and and I know exactly what he saw. And and, and what did he see? He saw tight man coverage, and. 
a formation that wasn't going to help Kittle separate. So it was going to be all on Kittle. Yeah. Whereas the next time they ran a play, he brought Kittle to a bunch. Yeah. And anytime you're attacking tight man-to-man, yeah. uh, your bunches and stacks can help. And, and you watch that play. We were playing two-man, and which is a, a real good coverage for the underneath defender. But when he gets to the, the bunch position, it's neutralized a little bit. And yeah. so now – you know, he has this little option route. He breaks out and, and gets the, the catch and then does his thing. Well, when you're in the bunch formation, aren't you basically planning to do a legal pick? Yeah, well, sometimes. But but I would say forget the pick from a standpoint. If I line up three, three players close together, it's, I can't bump and run all three of those right, guys. Right, right, right. Because, you know... But if I take three players and spread them all the way out and I'm playing two-man or, or I'm playing tight man, I want to see that formation where they're all by themselves and I can really I can get up in the, in, the, in the face of all three of those players. But when you bring them together and one is on the ball and the other two are off, Kittle was one of the off yeah, players, yeah. I have to, I've got to communicate with my other guys in this man how we're going to handle this. Yeah. So forget the pick element. And in this play, it's really – this is more like an NBA inbound pass. And, you know, where we're going to stack ourselves. Well, I can't – but if I had four guys spread out yeah. and everyone was denying the pass, it, it's hard to get a pass in. Yeah. So what yeah. do they do? They all get in a line, right? And then they, they go different directions, and it's easier to create separation. And that's, in, in a nutshell, what happened. Tight bunch. All right, vertical, shallow cross, Kittle comes up, little option route, and it's hard to deny that yeah. short pass. Let me just ask you this. You brought up Zebra. What, how much do you use Zebra, and what is the value to you? First of all, explain what it well, is. It's, it's, it, it, the easiest way to know what Zebra is, and we, we, we have it in our daily lives, you go to the grocery store, you go to Target, and you get the barcodes, and yeah. they scan it. That's Zebra. Yeah. So they, they control 90% of that market. They, they track mufflers, they track your stuff at Target, the hardware store, anywhere we want to track product, yeah. they've done for years. And now the league has asked and partnered with them and they're tracking our players. So the players don't have barcodes on their shoulder pads, but they have little chips. Sensors, yeah. And, and it, it just allows us to, to, to get data. Now, our part- How do you use the, the Well, data? our partnership began simply for training camp and in-season soft tissue injury prevention. I want to know specifically distance traveled, and I want to know energy. Like, I want to know when we say that was a tough practice, I want to be more specific. So we used to have Brandon Cooks, the receiver yeah, was with yeah. the Rams now. And Brandon was one of those players that, man, trains and practices, and if you're not careful, we'll overtrain. And so after about a week of practicing with this data, the average distance traveled for a wide receiver was six to eight miles in between them, somewhere between six to eight miles. But there were a couple practices where Cooks was at like nine. Wow. Nine. And, and so, look, we, we've just got to be on top of, you know, avoiding the hamstring injury. The offensive lineman during a, a, a normal practice, you know, it's going to be a mile eight to two, you know, and yeah. so now the linemen got wind of this and they started walking around in circles <laughs> to get their number up. 
Now, mind you, to do this, That's hilarious. to do this, if we have chips in our shoulders, we have to create a field, right? And so, in other words, we have to have an invisible fence. So every NFL stadium has that now. Wow. So when our players go in and, and you guys on Sunday night are talking about next-gen stats right. and 21 miles an hour, that's zebra. That, yeah. they, they invented that. And so back to these two teams. So in other words, what you would do is you would then tell Brandon Cooks, or we're going to hold you out a little bit because yeah, we might, don't want you running nine miles. I might miles. go to his coach and say, look, I know I said to monitor, but I want to be specific here. We're, we're at nine. It, it just allows you to, to actually be a little bit more than just judicious. Yeah, a yeah. little smart. Yeah. And so, but the chips now are in the footballs. Here, here, okay, here's my last thing that I need to ask yeah. you. Okay, so the San Francisco 49ers stopped Jacob Hollister at the goal line in the NFC West Championship game that decided the, the top seed, basically, in the NFC. He was, Jacob Hollister is so close to the goal line, almost gets over, but Dre Greenlaw just stops him at the three-inch line. And my question is, I'd like to know exactly where he was stopped and, and whether indeed he was stopped. We is there any way? Right now it exists. Why don't you put the chip in the football? It's already in. I was just getting to that. The chip is in our balls right now. Well, why isn't that the used chip, for this? Listen, it's coming. Just like Cyclops is in tennis. How about this, Peter? I punt the ball. I punt it out of bounds. It, it exits the, the field 20 yards in the air. We've yeah. seen this out of bounds. And we see the, the side judge do what? He walks up. Walks up, yeah. And then estimates where it is. The, um, the guy 40 yards away says, right there. That we have the ability to, to, within a foot, tell you where the ball went out of the sideline. So why isn't it's that coming? Done? Is it? It's what coming. year? This year? It's coming. I'm telling you, the ball crossing the plane of the goal line, and, and, and picture the ball crossing the plane of the goal line, and the uprights flashing yellow, just like the shot clock in the NBA. And then you can see where the knee is and decide whether it was a score or not. That should it's, happen. That's, that should coming. happen. Yeah, no okay, question. Good. Sean Payton, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast. I didn't even ask you my question of the week, which is... Come on. Okay, just very quick. I'm sorry. I got to ask you, do you believe that anyone out there is going to make Taysom Hill an offer as a restricted free agent? Yeah, I, I think someone's going to make him an offer. But the, the first, for, for, the, for the fan to understand this, a lot of it is based on the tender. So, yeah. look, a, a player like Taysom Hill can, he can be tendered in a few different spots. If we tender Taysom as a, a one. Yes. All right. And, and, look, you can make a lot of arguments that we, if you tender him as a one, the team that makes the offer on him and signs him to a contract understands that, they're going to give up their first round pick yeah. if we don't match it. Now, that's easier to do when your one is pick 22, yes. 23, yeah. 24, 25, yeah. and a little harder to do if you're picked. So I don't know if we were to tender him a one, I don't know that we'd see a team in the first half of the draft do that. Right. But we might very well see a team in the second half of the draft do that. Yeah. I think for us, Drew's going to spend some time here, not a long time, but he's going to spend some time and make Thinking, a decision. Yeah. And, and honestly, there's nothing more to that other than what he, what he's come he's out. He's either said. playing for you or doing TV yeah, or something and, and, like yeah, that. I think yeah. he's he's really spending time with the family. Yeah, because it's an important decision. And then Teddy Bridgewater, who's a free agent, who was fabulous for us this year, uh, 
his contract's up. And so a true free agent, at the minute the season's over with, is free to sign with any club. And I, I'd like to think that, hey, he's paying close attention to this because he's found a niche and, and, a, and a very successful niche uh, in the five weeks he started for us. Taysom Hill, who we've used in a lot of different positions, is in a little bit different position. He's restricted. We just discussed it. So I know this. It'll be hard to have all three of those guys in the quarterback room again, and that was pretty special now that you come to think about it because I really want you, and we got to go, yeah. but I really want you to coach Taysom Hill for the next 10 years. Yeah. I, I, How fun would that be? Right. I'd like to watch those games. Yeah, listen. It's fun. I'd like to do that. How and, about the Minnesota Vikings? I had somebody on the Minnesota Vikings tell me we did not like it when Taysom Hill ran on the field, even at the expense of Drew Brees. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, so the league knows, yeah. and I just keep wondering whether that was a valuable claim that. for us. Oh, fuck. That's you like gold me? bullion. <laughs> it is. It's unbelievable. Sean Payton, thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Peter. Zoom didn't invent video conferencing. They just made it better. Now Zoom is how business gets done. Zoom ties together all of your communication needs into one easy app for video conferencing, phone calls, group chat, webinars, and your conference rooms. Turn any workspace into a modern, easy-to-use Zoom room, an enterprise-grade video conference room designed for instant collaboration. You'll get flawless video and audio instant wireless content sharing, and a single tap of a button to start a meeting. And Zoom Phone works seamlessly from any device as your business phone system to make and receive phone calls, capture call recordings, and easily elevate from phone call to video if the need arises. I mean, if you run meetings and you've got a lot of people around the country, how in the world are you not using Zoom? I mean... It has everything that you could want to run a competent and very successful meeting. Zoom is used by millions to connect around the world. So why wait any longer? Visit Zoom online and set up your free account today and meet happy with Zoom. And now my conversation with Jay Glazer of Fox Sports about a lot of different things. Back in the Peter King podcast, very happy to be joined by Jay Glazer. My man. Jay Glazer, what a life. What a life. It's going to be a movie one day. I don't know who's going to play you, but it won't be me. Definitely Matthew McConaughey, I would say, right? No, no, no. He's going to have to Ryan shave. Reynolds, He's uh, going to have to George shave. Clooney. I mean, Brad Pitt. No, me Clooney, take it. Clooney's, no. Clooney's way too old for you. <laughs> and you're a lot more handsome than Clooney. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So I, I am writing a book this offseason, and I think the title is like, Mom, how the bleep did I get here? <laughs> You're not ridiculous. writing a book, are you? Yeah, yeah. You uh, are. Uh huh. Yeah. What's it going to say? That, just all the crazy crap that's gone on in my life and just, you know, not a tell all. It's a tell all about me. It's a tell some? It, it's, it's not. It's, it's all the fun. It's, it's definitely a comedy book. Yeah. Because that's what my life has been. It's been, you know, yes, we've broken a million great big stories, but I've tried to do it with fun and, uh, you know me, man. You know my mouth. I'm a little bit different, and different is good. That's. I try and make it a little different. So all the fun stuff. So, Jay, um, we're going to talk a f couple of minutes of current events. Okay. And then we're going to talk a couple of minutes of just life. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm really 
the the thing about you that is very very interesting in my opinion is that you basically we're here at the Super Bowl and you look out over Radio Row and what this monolith has has yeah. become and you look at this and you know what I think sometimes like my first Super Bowl was 36 years ago and 36 years ago that was about we're looking over yeah. like almost a shopping mall full of media right. and people selling stuff and yep. and Joe Montana will be walking through everybody and Jay Glazer's walking through everybody's walking. and you know you think about it and in the old days that was that was yeah. m m microscopic and this didn't exist like this. Peter, How my, did this my, happen? My first Super Bowl um, was Patriots, Packers, Favre, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I didn't have enough money to stay anywhere or eat any food. I'm dead serious. So I went into the little press room over here. I got credential from New York One TV. Um, and I got... Uh, I would have all the food over here and then I would go to the parties at night and I got flown down on like a flight credit and then I stayed, first I stayed like I had some friends who had a friend, I stayed at like these goth chicks house and then like <laughs> these girls scared the hell out of me so I like got out of the goth chicks house and I found somebody else to stay, I literally, I had no money dude, I made for the first 10 years of my career, you knew me then I was making 9,500 bucks a year living in New York, acting like I was, you know, a big deal and covering the Giants and then even I finally got a job at the New York Post for 250 bucks a story which turned out to be nine grand a year. And then New York One TV gave me three checks for $150 a year. Um, and that was it. And this is what I, and now here we are here. And But you know what? It, I, I got to say, this I really used the grind. to be, this really used to be us. Really? I, <laughs> I, mean, I appreciate the grind, man. Listen, yeah. that was 10 hard years of every single week, me saying, God, let's go. I'm going to go try and get but a full But you love job. doing it. I'm, That's the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm going to go. Let's, let's, God, let's go walk this walk together. Brush me off, pick me up, and let's keep going. And it was 10 years of rejection. And if I had to do another 10 years of rejection, I'd freaking do that, man. I said early on, I'll be the last dude standing until I get a real job, a full-time job. Strahan drove me back in the city from Giant Stadium every single day because I couldn't afford uh, bus fare both ways. Every single day for eight years. Wow. So I owe him, like, 30 grand in Lincoln Tunnel Fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, let's do a couple of minutes on current events sure. in the NFL. You're working with somebody who's trying to make a comeback. Tell me a little bit about the story of Alden Smith. Yeah, Alden Smith. So, Alden Smith actually got brought to us from my MVP foundation, my merging vets and players, where we're taking former combat vets and we're merging them together with former first NFL players, but now so, it's every sport. So that we know Alden Smith – Former first-round pick of the San Francisco 49ers. Great player. Bombed, a yeah, great pass rusher. Bombed out of the NFL. Had massive substance abuse problems trying to make a comeback. Right, so he came in, got brought in through Jerry Steinberg, who's another one of our MVPers. Uh, and, look, I'm the unbreakable performance myself. I'm, I'm always looking to give somebody a second chance if they deserve it. What I loved about Alden, and I knew Alden when he played, and I didn't like him when he played. I was like hair stood up in my back of my, ne my neck, like, ooh, me and this dude are gonna fight. And um, he came in, and he's like, listen, I'm living in sober living. I, it's my fault I'm not in the league. It's nobody else's, it's me. I didn't feel worthy. I, and he really was just like, I, 
they don't owe me anything. Um, I just want to I want to do some good now. So he started working with our vets at MVP. He showed up every single Wednesday night to work with these vets. And but himself, like I'm out of the league. I'm having a hard transition. And he started bonding together these guys. I'm like, you know what, dude? All right. I think uh, I said, do you want to play? He goes, I'd love to play, but I don't. Doesn't necessarily mean I deserve it. Like I'm not owed it, but I'd love to. I said. Let's start walking this walk together, man. Let's start training. Let's start getting you out there. Uh, just got him uh, hooked on with an agent, with Ron Slavin, and he has shown up every single day for the last six months. He has been completely clean and sober. He, he and and he says also, and this is the part I love. He's like, I know my job now is to help other players that have gone through this. That's my job. And whatever. And what I told Alden is, you and I, I'm going to train you. Don't worry about anything else. You just help open an MVP in whatever Can city you, you please, sign with. Can you please, for those who don't know it, talk about your uh, sort of your physical performance training right. that you've done with so many players. Where is it? What do you do? <laughs> okay, so we started. It, it's at our place, Unbreakable Performance Center, up in uh, Hollywood, and I started the first mixed martial arts cross training program for pro athletes in, in the country. Um, I started with a long snapper from the Chiefs. <laughs> you know, who we he may not have been the baddest SOB in the planet, but when we were done with him, he certainly thought he was. And that long snapper ended up being Jared Allen. He went out and got 15 sacks after working wow. with us. Got his hands whizzing, his hips going crazy, and just the mental, the mental part, the fighter part, the fighter mentality, man. And all of a sudden, Jared got the largest contract in the history of the NFL for a D lineman. And everybody called and said, "Whatever you did for him, did it for me." I went to me and Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture. If you want to learn how to break a man across from you, you go to Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture. I said, I don't know what we did for him, but we got to figure something out for these other guys. And we've trained about 1,200 players now and changed a lot of these players' lives. In um, It's still about beating that man across from you, but it's the mentality that we have. Every single thing, if you walk on that field, that cage door shuts. And you got to get that guy across from you to beg to get off that field from you. And we've worked team-wide. We've coached the entire Saints team three years ago for six weeks, the whole Browns team for a month, the Rams we've done, we've done the Falcons twice, but just giving these guys that fighter mentality. And then we have the performance side and the recovery side in, in Unbreakable together. Um, so that's where Alden right now is about. Uh, he's about 285, shredded, flying, and great. But the best thing about How old him, is he now? It's 30. 30? But the best thing is he has this community now. He opens up to these vets at night uh, about his issues, about – um, him not feeling, you know, worthy of having love, and now he feels worthy of having love. So it's not even like the football part. It's like I feel worthy of having love now. And all these veterans, like Alden, you're out there in the NFL. We will be with you. We will walk wow. this walk with you. And so he, there's, we've had some other guys with sobriety issues. Alden has gone and helped those guys out. Wow. Pull them out at night. Make sure they're good. He's he's he goes to AAA. He isn't sober living. He is all about sober living now. And we did this with Ryan Leaf. You know, you saw the yeah. job we did with Ryan Leaf. We've been able to help Ryan. You know, I and and you you being of service to another human being is the, the greatest thing you could do for yourself. How soul. impossible is it in this society? You look at this week in Miami. How's it? How impossible is it for a big star, a big athlete, to stay sober? Every day of his life. It's his decision. So there's been a lot of these guys we've trained. And there was a hockey player named Zach Casey who was suspended for a while. We trained him. Zach and Alden are the only two guys we've ever trained that I'm not worried about 
about them going somewhere needing a certain support system because it just changes their life. It's just, yeah. I'm just, we're changing. It's it. You have to change your life. You have to don't change you? your mentality. Like AB right now is not there. Yeah. Alden was there. He's like, I hit rock bottom. I was there. You need, I made you the need decision to, to you need, you need to, you need to work with Antonio Brown. No, he has to hit rock bottom first. Eventually, when he's ready, yes, but he needs to hit rock bottom. And and Alden and I have talked about it a lot. Um, even Alden's like, he's not ready. He's got to hit rock bottom and 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 not look at it like the world owes you because the world doesn't owe you. It's on you to owe the world back. I mean, this guy is so different he than the guy different. that I knew when he yeah. played. Yeah. I mean, he's like philosophically, he's open. Oh my God, we had this little kid in uh, um, named Logan Nabriga who has, who was beaten leukemia twice, and Logan. It's his grandmother is who we learned how to do the therapy from. Um, he had leukemia from 8 to, to 11, and he lived at UCLA Children's Hospital, two stints. And Alden literally opens up in front of 80 other people in the Logan, my name's Alden Smith. I used to play in the NFL. Um, I didn't have a family anymore. I lost my team. This group gave me a, a tribe again. It gave me a team again. It let me feel that I could be of help and of service to other people. So thank you, Logan, for what you've done for helping us start this. He's saying this to this little 15-year-old boy wow. whose grandmother started, like, that's how we learned how to do our therapy and MVP. Like, he's a different guy. He's yeah. a different guy. I'm proud of him. I'm really proud of him. So he, he deserves his— he, Do you think he'll play in the NFL? Yeah, I think. I mean, they're going to apply for reinstatement. And a guy like this who now all he wants to do is good for other people— he, yeah, I really hope they give him a chance. Jay, let's go current events in the NFL for a couple of minutes. Um, just, and, and I'm going to ask you some questions that I don't know that anybody right. has an answer for yet. But I wonder if somebody says to you, this is going to be the most interesting offseason for quarterbacks. Because of Tom. I think, well, it, it starts well, with Tom. It's, of course it starts with Tom, but there's also Rivers, there's Bridgewater, yeah. there's Breeze. Who knows what? Okay, so let's just I go. Let's, let's go Brady. What do you think? I don't know the answer to that. Nobody and, does. And the I reason think. why I don't know the answer, looks at, listen, when Peyton went through his tour, right, he went down to Tennessee. Everyone thought he was going to Tennessee, and all of a sudden they gave him a playbook, right? Well, Foxy and Elway were like, we know what you want to spend all your time rehabbing. We're not giving you – it's your playbook. You decide. And that helped sway his decision. But everybody thought he was going to go down to Tennessee. Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden they realized, no, let's – and, and that was a huge decision on Peyton's part of, yeah. yeah, I don't have time to do both. Right. I don't know what somebody's going to say to Tom. Uh, I know if I'm the Chargers, I give him a checkbook, and I go, you write however many commas you want over there because, you know, he's really good for their the Chargers, business model. The Chargers need him more yes, than they, any other team. Yeah. By far. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what the – what the crafts are going to do, if they're going to come back and go, you know what, listen, you've given us a hometown discount all these years, we're going to do you right know by what, you Jay, I honestly think, I honestly think that I don't think this is going to be a money thing. Money is not going to be the first thing in his priority. No, but I, I think for once, too, he's going to look at it and go, I'm not a that is correct. hometown discount. It's, like, you know, he doesn't it, deserve a home. It, it, it is correct, but I think it's more important. It would be more important for Bill Belichick to say to him, we're going to draft another receiver. We're going to get a receiver in free agency, and we're going to go get the best tight end in free in free agency. In my opinion, I just think he wants to have a more competitive offense. I and again, I, I think there's going to be a lot of things that go into his decision making, and we know these guys change a lot. You look when when Tony Gonzalez retired, he retired, and then three months later calls me and says. I think Smitty and Thomas would have me back. I'm like, oh, where are we going with this? I, we already did our little farewell yeah. tour, and he's like, "Well, the difference yeah. is the difference here is that you, everybody knows Brady wants to play." Uh, but hey, you, we all knew that Tony wanted to retire, then all of a sudden he wanted to play again. I'm just yeah. saying, 
these guys change an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, you know, I, I, I think, I think the Chargers, I think, a very outside shot with the Raiders. Wouldn't be right. shocked if the Bucks showed interest. If I were Jameis Winston, I wouldn't overplay his hand. No, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? No, no, no. There's an awful lot of options out there. And then look, yeah. Drew is. It's really up to Drew for for the Saints. It's yeah. up to Drew. You know, and and Sean said that hey, he wants to come back. He's back. It's it's yeah. him, right? And then they have his heir apparent there in, in Taysom Hill. See, and Taysom Hill, I think, is really the most fascinating person of this offseason because I know that there is at least one team that's seriously thinking of making an offer for him, you know, to see if the Saints would match it. I think he'd stay with Sean because Sean's a little evil genius, you know. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Of course he I is. I think Taysom would be different somewhere else. Gut feeling. Um, let's talk about three other guys. What do you think of Phillip Rivers now? Yeah, by the way, so I got blown up the other day that I said the Chargers moved on from him. I didn't say that. or I said it in a flippant half statement talking about Breeze. And all of a sudden I'm like filming something. Shameless plug here. With The Rock for the <laughs> Super Bowl show here that we're doing on Fox, pregame show. <laughs> and uh, my little sister, The Rock. And um, my phone is blowing up and all these reports. You've reported that Chargers are moving on from Philip Rivers. I'm like, no, I have. What are you talking about? And I'm like, my phone's going crazy. I'm like, what was going on? And earlier in the day, me and Kurt Menefee were on the herd with Colin Coward talking about Breeze. And I was like, well, you know, Giants, we know Eli Manning, he's retired. You know, Chargers move on from Philip Rivers. And Brady, you know, is going to do this. But Breeze, we know what Breeze is doing. And then all of a sudden, someone pulled it out as if I, you know me. Yeah. I'm going to report something. Yeah. I'm going to throw them all out there. I'm boom. I'm reporting it. Yeah. And I will scream it from the Raptors. And you'll see it everywhere. And I was like, that's not what I report. I don't think Philip Rivers goes back there, but I, right, I it was an opinion on a radio show, not a report. Like, yeah. bam. Oh, my yeah. God. And then I'm getting hit up by the Chargers. Like, you didn't say this. I'm like, yeah, I know I didn't say this. So at least you guys know. I'm like, it was crazy. Yeah. What happens to Rivers? Gut feeling? Well, it, it's. Listen, he keeps saying he wants to go be a starter somewhere, and I, I think he needs to loosen up on that. Um, yeah. Don't you? He might have, yeah, he might have to go to a place, and I'm not saying it's going to be a Ryan Tannehill thing, but he might have to go yeah. to a place and either compete or, or whatever. Or go to a place where he can go you know, I, if, tutor someone for a year. And... First of all, don't you think, don't you think, I mean, look, Cam Newton is really going to be a factor in, yeah. in where everybody goes. What happens if somebody with the Chargers loves Cam Newton? No doubt. What happens if Tom Telesco loves Cam Newton? Yeah, I, but I think, do you think the Rivers, I think Rivers is just, I think that's. It depends. I think, I, I mean, think, look, I think, I mean, Rivers. He moved away. Last yes. year they almost benched him. Yes. I, th I think it's time for a change of scenery, right? No question about it. I think Rivers goes. I just don't know where he goes. Either way. But I. you can tell he really wants to play. But because there's so many quarterbacks out there, and Teddy Bridgewater played great. Teddy Bridgewater, Tana, what happens so to him? so many quarterbacks. It's gonna it's gonna hurt all the the leverage because there's exactly there's, there's a there's so not enough chairs right, for the no musical doubt, chairs no doubt and how about this Justin Herbert last week blows up the right, senior right, right, bowl right. now you're gonna have three guys right. in the top five or six yeah. and they're not coming in to sit yep no doubt so it's gonna be weird two other current situations as somebody who lived breathed was born in the New York Giants yep. locker room who yep. got everything. How surprised were you about Joe Judge, and why do you think it happened? So I was very surprised by that. However, everybody I talked to afterwards, like, Jay, this dude's a stud. This guy's like that John Harbaugh. Like, yeah, he's a stud. He knows how to get the, the best out of the bottom half of a roster. And I haven't heard one negative thing about the guy. I don't know him really. Um, but usually, you know, this league, people like to hate and talk a lot of crap, on, right. especially when somebody gets a job they feel is not worthy. Not one person has said that he's not worthy. Not one, which is hard to find. Matt Rule, seven years, 
$8.8 million a year. I didn't get why he did that. I mean. I didn't get why he did that. Tepper or Rule? Uh, uh, rule. You're, you're making eight or ten a year in college, which yeah. the work is half of what you're going to do here. I understand you think you want, but, man, quality of life. Just, oh, my God. Like, you're. But here's the thing, Jay. Don't you think. Here's a guy. Different, here, here's a guy who grew up in New York City. You used to take yeah. the subway to watch the Knicks right. all the time. He's a New York guy. He right. wanted to be the Giants coach. Right. I. I just find it hard to believe that he didn't say to David Tepper, listen, I, I got to go do this. I have well, to at called. least go they interview. Call, but they called, and they're like, no, we're not matching the money. I, I understand that. I understand <laughs> that. That was, that was yeah, it. Yeah, it was, it was, that, that thing kind of blew me Jay Glazer, you're great. I love you. you. You're the best. Wait, we got Unbreakable performance. So just you signed get the a, job done. I just signed a deal with uh, GNC to be their spokesman. Wow. GNC. You mean uh, you're going to actually be on TV? I, uh, one day I'll get there. <laughs> Uh, for GNC, and we're coming out with a whole unbreakable line of proteins and supplements uh, in April, and a portion of it is going to my MVP charity. Peter, you'd be proud, man. I, we've talked about it, which I started with Nate Boyer. We are yeah. about to open our fifth city, um, thanks to Roger Goodell, our two biggest donors for MVP to help our vets. Roger Goodell, personally, to open in New York, and Mike McCarthy met. Uh, wow. We had a SEAL Team 6 commander that we commit, we we talked out of committing suicide and McCarthy met him, was there and he's like, here's a hundred grand. You need to open up. We need to save these people's lives. So we've had, there are 22 vets a day that kill themselves. As yeah. you know, the number is the highest it's been in five years. Okay, we need to treat I'm, our I'm, veterans better in this buddy, country. The it's, biggest it's problem tra- we have tragic. is when they come back home, they don't have a team. Yeah. So we're giving them this team again. Our, so what we do is we take our former combat vets and we merge them together with our former ex-players. Every week, at least our place in, in L.A., let's say Wednesday night, we train for about a half hour just to give a burn again. But then we sit on the mats afterwards and we talk about why you should be proud of your scars. Why, as a football player, you shouldn't look at it and go, oh, I used to play in the NFL. No, do you play in the NFL? Like, use that in your next step of life. And, you know, what you playing in the NFL is not who you are. What's behind your ribcage that got you to beat out millions yeah. and millions and millions of people to play in the NFL? That is who you are. That doesn't leave when the uniform comes off. And same thing with our combat vets. They go overseas and they do all this incredible stuff. They save American POWs and save their, their brothers and their sisters and, and, and survive suicide bombings. We've had our girl Kirstie Ennis went down to helicopters, had 45 surgeries, but saved so many people. And they come back here and they're like, oh, I'm different. And we're like, no, no, you're different. Different is good. Different leads to success. But when they're alone, yeah. different isn't good. When you have that tribe and that team again, different is good, and we save lives. And I'm telling you here, and I want to tell you this. We are about to open our fifth city, thanks to Commissioner Goodell. In the four years we've done MVP, we have four locations in four years. There are 22 vets a day that kill themselves. Many of our MVPers came to us after trying to attempt suicide. Uh, we've had zero. Wow. Not one. Not one. That's how important because they feel is. valued. They feel valued. The way we talk to them, it, we make them be of service to each other again. Yeah. You know, we remind them that their greatness lies behind the uniform, behind the rib cage, not the uniform itself. And all of a sudden, they're beholden to somebody else again. They're they're whether you play football or you, you're out in war, like you're always there for a team to help a team out, to help other people out in a team. We're giving you this team again. And all of a sudden, they're, they're beholden to people again, and they feel worthy again. And 
I mean, we have one guy, Denver Moore, started with his homeless, tried to attempt suicide three times. We gave him a job as our coordinator. Now he just got offered another job, a six-figure salary somewhere. He's doing incredible. He himself has saved couple thousand lives it's incredible i'm so proud thank god that we have this forum like you talked about yeah that because of football it allows us to go do bigger things in life so go go to our website vetsandplayers.org if you're a vet we're in four cities about to be in our fifth what are your cities welcome you with open arms uh we're in la chicago vegas atlanta dan quinn funds that and new york thanks to roger we're trying to get every listen They've had our back all these years. We got your back. Like, we are here for you. Players also. And I want players also. Like, these players come to us, and they're they're going through a bad time when they retire, and a lot of them think it's because of head injuries. I'm like, hey, me and my friends have been knocked out way more than you guys have, and we're not trying to kill ourselves over it because all of a sudden you don't have your team anymore. Right. right? And for the first time in your life, you don't have a schedule. You don't know who to go with, where to go, when to eat, when to practice, when to study, when to do this. And it's with all our athletes. They're, they're children. They're kids when they, they leave. And, again, they have done such incredible things with the uniform. We're reminding them of their, of their, their greatness when the uniform comes off. Jay Glazer, thanks so much. Thank you, brother. Love you, buddy. Appreciate it. My thanks to Sean Payton and Jay Glazer. Uh, some enlightening stuff in there. Um, if you're a football nerd, you know, I've got to think that if you are a football coach and you could have a conversation with anybody in the NFL, I think, honestly, that conversation would be best had with Sean Payton because he's he's just a guy who likes to think about plays. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast all season long. It's been so great and a privilege to be able to bring you some of my conversations with people in and around the game of football, um, people who I think uh, have a lot to say, and I've, I hope that I've uh, sort of advanced your education into the sport and everything around it. Uh, elsewhere on NBCSports.com this week, I will strongly, strongly recommend that you listen to um, something you can find on the NBC, NBC Sports YouTube channel. It's fantastic. There's all these interviews put up there that Mike Florio and Chris Sims did during the week of the Super Bowl. So many of them are so good. I particularly liked, um, I particularly liked the one they did with Drew Brees because normally Drew Brees is very, very. Uh, I, I don't want to say. Uh, unquotable because he's he's a good interview, but I think he, they got him to open up particularly, you know, on some subjects that hey, look, he doesn't know if he's at the end or whether he might have a year or two left. And I found him particularly, um, you know, particularly open in this conversation. I strongly recommend that one. And <laughs> listen, there's a chance that no matter what team you're a fan of, you're going to have a couple of interviews on that. Sims Florio YouTube page that that you're really really going to like so my thanks to you for spending your podcast hours with me during the course of this season uh, I'll keep going in the off season for a bit and keep trying to bring you conversations with people that I think you'll think are fun and educational thanks a lot for your support of the podcast and we'll talk to you again next week
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.